The grace and peace of Christ be with you. And also with you. Let's turn and greet one another. We welcome you to Laguna Presbyterian Church, and especially if you're visiting with us today, we would love to have you. We're very glad to have you here, and we'd love to have you sign in on our friendship pad. On each one of the pews, there should be a friendship pad near the center aisle. It's a black folder. And if you take it and fill it out and let us know that you're here and then pass it down the row, whether you're a regular or visiting with us today. You'll see the announcement sheet that's in our bulletin that today is Parish Sunday. So after each one of the services, if you go over to Tankersley Hall, it is filled with people and food grouped according to your geographical parishes. If you're a member of the church, you have been uh, put into a geographical parish, and you can ask at the door, and they'll tell you which one is yours if you don't know your number, and go find your deacon at your table. They're going to ask you to correct your contact information and a few other things, and that room is just going to be full of all sorts of people, and you can even sort of pretend you belong to every parish if you want to, but don't... <laughs> tell them I said so. If you are not a member of the church, you are very welcome to come over there too and be part of that and meet people. It is not an exclusive thing at all. It is open to ev every single one of you. So please be, uh, feel free to come over there and enjoy after the service. Our awe hospitality hour is going to be next Sunday night at five o'clock. You can sign up for that on the patio today. We are having our adult ed Bible study at 10 o'clock this morning that is up in Hills Hall right after this service. So you can go over and grab a little something to eat at Parish Sunday and then go up to the Bible study if you would like to be part of that. Uh, we also have something unusual that we're doing on the Sunday, uh, on the Saturday a week before Easter, and that is a tour of some contemporary art that is inspired by ancient icons. That's at a church in Orange, and you can see that we're signing up for that today. We do have to have you sign up because although it is no charge, the docent wants to know how many people so she can get enough docents that are there. Our women's retreat is signing up. This is the last week to sign up. You can do that online or today out in Tankersley Hall. The cart is there, too, to sign up for that. Our third Friday group this month is going to be having a doo-wop night um, in March, music of the 50s, 60s, and 70s, and it is a catered meal. You can also sign up for that over in Tankersley Hall. And our book talk uh, in April is, has announced their new book, We Are Not Ourselves. That book is available in Tankersley Hall today, too. Uh, last week, many of you participated in the, in the bank backpacks for World Vision children who are in refugee camps in Lebanon and in Jordan. And we are glad to say that we not only produced 300 of them, but also you gave more than $2,000 more than the backpacks, backpacks cost. So we are sending that on to World Vision this week, too. So 300 kids are going to be very excited. Yeah. And this week, Dick Loomis passed into the presence of the Lord, and there'll be a service for him on Friday afternoon at 3 o'clock, on this Friday at 3 o'clock. Jerry, you have some announcements about Linda's trip. Yes. Like most of you know that um, our chancel choir director, Linda White, is going on a short-term mission trip down to Cuba. Uh, with other musicians who are going to be entering in with um, Cuban musicians, I would assume, and there will be a lot of uh, inspiration, mutual inspiration, and um, 
you're going to learn a whole lot. And so we wanted to say a prayer for Linda this morning. And Linda, would you please come out here? And I'm, I want to invite the choir to come and stand around uh, us here. As, and the choir members and staff here, let's just put our hands on, the, on Linda. Th this is um, a wonderful opportunity for her. I mean, it is a call of the Lord on her life to go and uh, to be a part of a place that a few years ago it might not have been easy to get into to, to bear a witness to Christ. But she's going to share her musical gifts, and uh, we're proud of her for receiving this call. Linda, you looking forward to this? Very much. Yeah, that's Very great. Much. We look forward to hearing all about it when you get back. You'll hear a lot. She leaves, <laughs> she leaves tonight and, uh, and will be gone, what, for two weeks? Two weeks. Yeah, okay. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for Linda, for her love for you, for your call upon her, for the excellent leadership that she brings to the musical program of our choirs, and of our bells, and um, in every dimension of our church life. We pray now that you will watch over and keep her in her journeys, bless all those with whom she'll be traveling and performing in Cuba. Bless this mission. May your kingdom be built into the hearts and lives of many, and, and may they be inspired to sing to the glory of the Lord. Bless her and empower her, and may this be a joyful experience. Enrich us all, and we thank you for this congregation that has responded in such a supportive way toward this mission. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Linda, we, we commission you, <laughs> to, you to represent Christ and us. I shall do so. Okay, God bless you. <laughs> Thank you. Let's worship the Lord. This morning we begin with our morning psalm. It's Psalm 63. And Psalm 63 is a psalm penned by David out in the wilderness being pursued by his enemies. And he pens the psalm of God's assurance, um, the presence, the assurance of God's presence with him. And so... Uh, praise team will sing verse 1, and a choir is going to join in on verse 2, and then congregation, you'll in, come in on verse 3. join me for our call to worship. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God, my rock in whom I take refuge. 
my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised, so I shall be saved from my enemies. There is no holy one like the Lord, no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Jesus said, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise person who builds a house on solid rock. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. Amen. Let us stand and worship the Lord together.
in one of the most ancient statements of the church from the fourth century, one of our ecumenical creeds that is still said around the world by Christians together. So let us say together what we believe. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made, for us and for our salvation. He came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshiped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. How great, church. Let's sing together. Just. 
this morning reflects the message of the text from Matthew 16. Invite you to open uh, your New Testament to Matthew 16 beginning in verse 13 and we'll read to the end of this chapter. This is a turning point in the mission of Jesus and his journey through Galilee as he begins to move toward Jerusalem to complete his mission there and we are journeying with him up toward Passion Week, Holy Week, and the celebration of Easter. Matthew 16, verse 13. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, but others, Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed, and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord. This must never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. For you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Then Jesus told his disciples, If you want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life or What will they give in return for their life? For the Son of Man is to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay everyone for what has been done. Truly, I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Join me in prayer. In this turning moment in our lives, in the journey of the church, Lord, we turn to you because you first turned to us. And you have promised that you will build your church. Give us faith and confidence that we are participants in your work, sowing seed building foundations, raising up a superstructure of the church for the glory of God, for all humanity. Bless us this morning. Bring illumination to your word, we ask. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Our Lord Jesus chose 12 motley disciples to train them, to shape and form them, to be with him, to share in fellowship with him, to participate in his mission. It is thought generally that Jesus had about a three-year public ministry after his baptism. And the first year half or so of that took place in Galilee around the lake where there were many demonstrations of what was wonderful and mysterious in this man Jesus. The disciples were there. Matthew was there. He heard the teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. Based upon that great proclamation of Jesus, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And we still proclaim that message. The kingdom of heaven, the reign and rule of God is at hand in our lives, next to us, present, coming to us, claiming our lives. The multitudes were drawn to those teachings and to that proclamation. But beyond that, all kinds of people were brought to Jesus to be touched by his healing love, to be made whole, to be lifted up. Lepers were cleansed, the blind were seen, the lame were walking, the dead were being raised. People in Galilee were whispering, gossiping together. Rumors were passing around about who is this who speaks with such authority, who teaches with such power, whose hands can touch a life and make them whole. And Matthew has taken us on this journey to be a part of that, to see it. The disciples had that privilege of being right next to him in that fishing boat on the lake. The storm came upon them. The winds and the waves were churning, and they thought they were going under. They awakened him. He was asleep in the boat with them. Lord, don't you care that we are perishing? And Jesus stood up, and he commanded with the authority of heaven for the wind and the waves to be still, and there was calm. And the disciples asked, who then is this who can command even the wind and the waves? We've never seen anything like this. And another time, they're in the boat, and in the middle of the night, and Jesus comes walking on the water on the storm, and Peter sees him. If you're really Jesus, command me to step out of the boat and come toward you and to walk on the water also. And Jesus said, come. And Peter stepped out of the boat, and he made a couple of steps until he took his eyes off Jesus, and he began to sink. Jesus caught him, carried him back to the boat, put him in. People who were deeply troubled in their souls and in their minds, afflicted with all kinds of legions, were made whole, dressed and were calm in his presence. And it was after many, many of these kinds of stories of seeing and hearing the inbreaking of the reign of God, that one day Jesus took his disciples up to Caesarea Philippi, just at the border with Syria, where there were many pagan shrines, where there was a temple to the god Pan, where there were temples for the Baals, the fertility gods and goddesses of ancient religions of Syria, where there was a temple for the worship of Caesar, the emperor. And against that backdrop, he asked his disciples this question, 
Who do people say that I am? And that is one of the most provocative questions in the Bible. It may seem simple for us who've hung around the church for a while, but imagine asking such a question on Forest Avenue. Go out and do a survey. Go to the city council meeting and ask, what do you think about Jesus? Go to the neighborhood association and begin a conversation. What about Jesus? Go up to the high school and invite people to give an answer. What do you think about Jesus? Who is Jesus? Well, he was some sort of a historical person. He was a great teacher. Or People say all kinds of things about him. Raise the subject at your next cocktail party. <laughs> See where you get with that. I remember uh, Bill Buckley the great conservative, interviewing Malcolm Muggeridge, the converted Christian apologist and journalist. Uh, they were on a television program, and they were asking about, is it possible really to witness to Jesus in a cocktail party in Washington, D.C.? And Buckley said, you know, I think it's really almost impossible because if we do that, he says, we're going to be tagged by the power elite as being Christers. And you may not receive another invitation if you stir up the good times by introducing topics like religion and politics. God forbid that we talk about the important things of life in our gatherings it's hard enough in the church. I shared a couple of weeks ago, I have that hat from the college at Cambridge, Jesus College. That very afternoon, I went out for a walk with that hat on. Really great risk, huh? A silly story. I happened to meet my neighbor again. He looked at me, and I could see in his eyes the... The gears of his brain were grinding away. He got this curious smile on his face. He says, well, what does that mean? Do you think you're Jesus? You promoting Jesus? Oh, this is uh, Jesus College. It's an institution from the 1400s. It's a great academic center, and I tried to make all the intellectual credentials that I wasn't just promoting Jesus in the neighborhood. Most people think that the local pastor, if he shows up and you have a serious conversation with him, that you're going to have to have a, a sermon. And you're going to preach Jesus and God only knows what. I have to confess I'm somewhat embarrassed by the way the political parties are seeking to co-opt Jesus and the church in their political campaigns, some of which sound like religious revivals rather than discussions of what's really going on in the nation. Who's Jesus? What are people saying? I suspect we're all in this culture a little uneasy about questions like this. So the disciples, they made the only answers that they could in, in the context of their frame of reference. Well, some say you're John the Baptist who has come back. We know what happened to John. He had been beheaded. He was gone. He was with God. But something supernatural has happened, and John's come back. Even the political authorities, some of them, thought that Jesus was John come back with the same message. Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Well, some say, is Elijah coming back? We know Elijah was taken to heaven on a chariot of fire. He never died, but he's come back now as a sign of the inbreaking, of the end of the ages. Or maybe he's Jeremiah, another prophet. Or some other prophet. And they got all of it on the table. And then Jesus turned the conversation to the very personal with them even as he does with us 
this morning. Who do you say that I am? Got an answer? Peter so often had it right, but oftentimes, just as likely, he could get it all wrong in his enthusiastic responses. But this time, Peter, he got it right. You are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Listen to that again. Filter it through the Nicene Creed. You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. This is the kind of knowledge that only comes from heaven by means of revelation from the Father as to who the Son is. Peter's eyes had been opened just enough to see and to make that confession. And Jesus said, you've, you've got it right. And upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. The church has debated ever since, is the rock Peter or is the rock this great confession of faith? And we Protestants have always answered, the rock is the confession of faith to Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, Israel's Messiah, God's King, who has come to establish the reign and the rule of God. This is not an irrelevant subject. This is a question that has left the Presbyterian Church over the last decade in turmoil. In the early part of the first decade of this, of this century, one of our potential Presbyterian pastor heretics was speaking at a conference where he asked this question. I've, I've mentioned this before. What's the big deal about Jesus? Well, what is the big deal about Jesus? And since we don't have a pope or a bishop, a general assembly that meets every two years or so, no one was stand up and authoritatively answer that question. And the whole church exploded in controversy. What's the big deal about Jesus? And our theology and worship unit in in Louisville, wrote a small little document called Hope in the Lord Jesus Christ in which they interpreted the Nicene Creed and the Apostles' Creed in our book of confessions which say in conformity with the text before us this morning in Matthew 16, you are the Christ, the King, the Anointed One, the Son of the living God. Now, here I stood for moderator, and this was a central question on the floor of the assembly. And the three moderatorial candidates, we all had the same answer in the words of Peter. You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. This is our affirmation. And the general assembly, made up of representatives from presbyteries from east to west and north and south, almost unanimously endorsed that affirmation. And yet we continue to hear that there's a theological drift and that we no longer believe that Jesus was the Son of God. That's absolutely false. Great call upon the church in our time is to be founded upon Christ, His Word, and our theological confession walking in the power of the Spirit because we believe what the Nicene Creed has lifted up. Indeed, it took four centuries of the church fighting to hammer out the Nicene Creed. At, the, at Nicaea in Turkey, near Istanbul, they met 
And there were fistfights, the bishops. There was competition for how we were going to define who Jesus was or who God is. How do we talk about Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God, Jesus being of the same substance, the same being as the Father, the incarnate Word of God sent for the salvation of the world who can really enter into that mystery but thank God, orthodoxy won. Because Jesus is promised on this rock, this confession of faith, I will build my church. Not you, Jerry. Not you, Session. Not you, Deacons. Not you, any one of you. But God at work through you in the faithful proclamation of Jesus Christ the Son of the living God. And then the Gospel text tells us that Jesus began to teach his disciples after his affirmation of Peter. By this time, Peter's head must have been swelling and filled with pride. And he must have been looking around to the other disciples and saying to them, look at me. I got it. I got religious knowledge and Jesus has said I'm in, I'm the leader. And Jesus says to them all, if you're going to follow me, if anyone wants to follow me and go up to Jerusalem with me, you need to know what is my destiny when we arrive in Jerusalem, I'm going to be rejected by the political and religious authorities. I'm going to be put on trial. I'm going to be convicted as a blasphemer, as a heretic, as a danger to the nation, as a subverter of all that is true and right and good in the world. And they're going to put me to death on a cross. But on the third day, God is going to raise me. It's hard to hold together who we know Jesus to be. You're the Christ, the Son of the living God, with this focus on the crucifixion of Christ, upon the cross of Christ. But they are one and the same message. This is the confession of faith. If you're going to follow me, you have to take up your cross and die to yourself. And give yourself to self-sacrificing love for the salvation of the world. This is my way. And Peter took him by the collar and led him off by himself and got right in his face. And said to him so that all could hear, God forbid, this will never happen to you. Get behind me, Satan. You're thinking like men and not like God. And that moment, the pride, the ego, the inflated sense of self-importance was popped. Peter understood that he did not yet understand Jesus' Commitment to being the suffering servant of God as well as the Son of God. This is how God comes to save the world. He comes in humility and in the fullness of humanity, tempted in every way as we are vulnerable to all the things that we're vulnerable to, centered in the reality of his love for God. And in Jerusalem, he lays down his life is a sin offering that will release the forgiving grace of God into this world. Where would we be without the Passover Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world? Where would we be? That Lamb is the Son of God. He died that we might live, that we might find the way to true life the purpose of human existence to love God and to love one another 
as we have been loved. Not easy to get this and to hold it together. At our worship service Thursday evening at the Los Ranchos Presbytery, Adel Malik, who is our Egyptian Arabic-speaking Presbyterian pastor, who pastors an Arabic-speaking Egyptian Presbyterian congregation here in our presbytery, he and his team led the worship, and it was in Arabic, and they interpreted for us. And this beautiful singing, there must have been eight of these beautiful young Egyptian young ladies who sang in Arabic for us, and it, it was really touching. And Adol, he preaches in Arabic in this, this fellowship. There are a lot of Egyptians and Arabic-speaking Christians here in Southern California. And when he preached, he showed slides or pictures to interpret the message. And one of the pictures was very disturbing because it showed us a picture that we'd all seen on television of the 30-plus Coptic Egyptian Christians dressed in orange, blindfolded, walking beside the Mediterranean Sea, dressed in orange, on their way to being executed by the representatives of ISIS, all in black with black hoods and with long knives ready to decapitate the victims. He says, you know why they were marched out there and murdered? Because they would not renounce their faith in Christ. And they wouldn't take the cross from the top of their bell towers of their churches. And they died as faithful martyrs, as witnesses to who they believed Jesus was and the power of his cross, that even if they lost their lives, they would gain their lives. I thought about myself, how silly it is I'm worried about a baseball cap with Jesus on it that somebody might not understand. I'm as backward as Peter. I want a triumphant, glorious Christ who throws the enemies of God out of the world and justice and righteousness and truth to prevail. And I forget that before we get there, it is the way of the cross of self-sacrificing love. That is the way of God. And he showed us another picture of one of their churches that had had its roof taken off. Open-air church, how would you like that? They come in and cut the roof of the church off. Tear down the bell tower. Everything's the same pretty much inside. There was a couple there being married. The bride in white weddings gown and the groom in a tuxedo and a crowd of people gathered there in the presence of their enemies making a public testimony to the integrity of their faith as Christians being married under the cross of Jesus Christ, a cross that they carried in their souls. And Adel said, you know what? I wish I had been there to be the pastor doing that wedding. Well, I might have skipped that wedding. For the sake of saving my own skin. Every one of us has to struggle with these kinds of issues. But this is the turning point for Peter and for the disciples. They will not understand for some period of time what is getting ready to happen and why it's necessary. But thanks be to God for our faithful Savior, who at the cost of his own life and blood has sacrificed himself that we might live and be reconciled to God and to one another and this war-torn, violent, lost world might find its own meaning and purpose and be restored in the new creation that is on the way. And we live by that hope.
the Son of Man is coming again. And all the angels of heaven will be singing and celebrating and all the saints will gather around the throne of God in thanksgiving and praise. And this morning, we foreshadow that final victory of God at the great messianic table of the Messiah. Pray with me. Lord, if we're here this morning and we haven't given our hearts to you, help us to do so, just simply to say yes to you. To say, I don't understand it all. How God in Christ could be so human and yet fully God. Embracing the fullness of the human condition except for sin. He lays down his life that humanity might be restored. Rescue us again and again. This morning we offer ourselves to you and we pray that you will build this church upon the foundation, the rock, Jesus Christ himself, and that you will give to us the keys of the kingdom of heaven and that we might be such a gracious, loving people that we would set many free in faithfulness to your call. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. We present our morning offering. Let's stand as we sing that first verse together. How firm a foundation. 
to you he has said to you who for refuge to jesus have fled let us pray father sovereign one of mercy and might all creation exists and is sustained by your righteous rule we pray this morning that you would lead our lives by your good and gracious spirit that we may reflect the glory that we have seen in Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. As you move us through this season of Lent, may we continue to pray, to seek, and to serve as we follow in the steps of our Lord, depending not upon our own strength, but your strength, your hope, and the long-suffering love you've given to us, all the way to the cross and to the good news of resurrection. You sent Jesus Christ to seek and to save the lost, and we confess that we have strayed from you and turned aside from your way. We have been misled by our pride, for we see ourselves pure when we are stained and great when we are small. We have failed in love. We have neglected justice and ignored your truth. Have mercy, O God, and forgive us of our sin and return us to the paths of your righteousness, your grace, through Jesus Christ, our Savior. We trust your word as you have said, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. In Jesus Christ, all of God's promises are yes for us. Bless now this offering and free us up as your people that the offerings we bring may enable us to continue to grow our mission and our ministry throughout our communities for the sake of Christ the one who has taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our closing hymn is On Christ the Solid Rock I Stand. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. When darkness fails his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. His oath is covenant, his blood support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, He then is all my hope and stay. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. The call to worship had these words of Jesus. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise person who builds a house on solid rock. Go forth into the world with a life built on the rock so that when the storms of life come, the house of your life will stand in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.